Hello and welcome to the Scaling Edge. I am your host, Michael Brooks. Dan is here. Nice to meet you, Pear. Hey, nice to meet you, <laughs> all of you. Thanks, Pear. Well, we also have Max producing. Max, say hello. Hello, everyone. There we go. All right, so this is the Internet Talk program that focuses on the hard-won lessons by entrepreneurs and business owners, battle-hardened entrepreneurs and business owners, the hard-won lessons that give them an edge, an angle, and they're sharing that with you so that you can scale your business in your life. Pear, thank you for being a part of our program. Thank you for being here. We appreciate it. Pear's doing something kind of interesting, and it's it's something that I've struggled with. I mean, every business I've ever had has has yeah. really struggled with it, and it's it's uh, I don't think it's a talked enough talked about enough subject and that is pricing. Yep. If you've got a SaaS company, if you've got a if you've got a, a consumer product, how do you price things so that you know cuz you know and I'm sure we'll talk about this in a minute there, but if you price things too low, people won't buy it. Yep. If you price things too high, people won't buy it. So you might right. be thinking, I'm just going to this is what I'm going to make. I'm not going to be greedy. I'm going to give the best discount. People will be turned off if your pricing is not just Right. I'm very excited to hear what Pear has to say. Pear, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you got here and how you became the price whisperer? Yeah, I. Um, the story is that I ran a couple of companies in Europe before I came here to the States. And um, I've, I've had a number of CEO jobs here as well. And we did um, pricing experiments in, in these companies only because it was an interest area of me. Some of those experiments worked very well. Others were complete duds, right? And um, what I had learned in business school and could read about pricing was so academic and so theoretical that it was useless information. It didn't help us to understand why some of those experiments worked. So I eventually, when I decided I was too old and too opinionated to be a hired gun, set up my own shop and I decided to develop a process to make every pricing experiment a success. And um, that translates often to a 25 to 40% higher margins and a doubling of sales growth. Wow. Whoa. 20 to 45% margins increase. Yes. yes. And a doubling of sales growth. Yes. Just by pricing the product right. Just by understanding how you in a company can influence your com your customer's willingness to pay so you can drive higher sales volume at higher prices. Of all the things you think about as a business owner, every day like where does that fall you've got to market your product you've got to hire people people are not putting enough attention into the science of this work the body of science that goes into this work so what's your process how do you start these ex these pricing experiments can you walk us down what a road and timelines of what that looks like and what that takes? Well, you don't do experiments because if you're changing your prices all the time, uh, you alienate uh, returning customers and you don't want to do that, right? The process I developed is based on going out to a company's marketplace and uh, measure what folks are willing to pay for your specific product and specifically the differentiators that you have in your product or your service. And if you don't have differentiators, your commodity and um, a commodity is sold on low price only and nobody want to be there, right? You have to, as an entrepreneur, you have to find out how you can differentiate in such a way 
that it drives a higher willingness to buy and a higher willingness to pay among the your target audience. And you also define your target audience as the people who have the highest willingness to pay. Does that make sense? It does. It That's does. not what people do. What people do is that they 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 go out and, and, and say, I think, oh, my gut tells me, right? Yeah. Or, oh, let me, I see my competitors pricing. Why don't I do the same? Or a little bit better. Yeah, or a little bit worse because I'm not as good as they are. It reflects how you feel about your own product. Absolutely. And and there's so how a, do you how do you approach this? How do you approach this? And what type of companies do you work with? Mid uh small to uh, mid-size uh, mid-market companies. Like SaaS um, companies, software, software SaaS. Most of what we do is is B2B and uh, most our services are different kinds. It's about going out to the marketplace, really understanding what people are willing to pay and there's a method of doing this that we developed. And and you do, do this through online questionnaires. So your um, method of, of figuring this out is through online questionnaires. You go yes. reach, you identify the target market, and then you do a questionnaire. And in that questionnaire, you develop the right price. That's there is the scientific a, process. There's a number of questions where we ask people how they equate value and price. What is, too, just like you started saying, what is a too high price? What is a too low price? What is the value you you perceive? What is the what is the not value you perceive? What is the what would make you buy a competing product? What would what will make you not buy at all? And all these things that has has to do with um, it's really a background of, of of something called behavioral economics. So I'd like to say that we stand on the shoulder of three um, Nobel Prize winners, right? Because we take that understanding on how you make a purchase decision and make it take it out of academia and make it practical to business owners behavioral economics yes so can you share with us so you've obviously been doing this for a while and you've had some yeah. fantastic success can you share with us a case study that you've done somebody that you've worked with where you looked at what they were doing you applied your approach, what you went through to apply your approach, and then the change that occurred. So, um, yeah, let's take a, a SaaS company, since you mentioned SaaS. I can do two SaaS companies if we have time for it, but let's do the first one. Uh, this company has a telephone system in the cloud, so they sell B2B. Uh, so it's a business phone system. Um, the The research that we did showed that they were, um, they were so underpriced that they could quadruple their prices. And when they did... And I'm going to paraphrase the, the the CEO here. He said that after quadrupling the prices, which they took up over about a nine month period, sales volume went up 25%, he said. And then we got a new, more professional level of customers. So our customer support costs have gone down with 80% because prices also select your customers. So this guy, he so quadrupled prices. So he got, rid of, he got rid of his, his problem customer. Yes. By pricing different. Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting factor that I don't think people think about. No. Like the different type of cost per customer. That's right. To support, because it's, uh, it's a lot different to support a low-cost customer than a high-cost customer. That's right. The amount and, of stress and, is different. And the thing is that... Now, those price sensitive customers are not really interested in what you what you're selling them you know right it's not they they're buying because of your low price so they don't really care to learn your product or your service it means that they are 
filling up your support channel all the time, right? And as soon as there's an alternative that is just fractionally cheaper, they're gone. They're not a loyal base is what you're no, saying. They're not. They're not invested in your company. You know, I would think the best example of that is probably Netflix over Blockbuster. I agree. <laughs> how they figured out how to price things. And now, but I mean, look, Blockbuster was abusive, or some would say it was abusive with their late fees. And Rewinding had, fees. They used to charge you extra when if you didn't rewind the tape. Yeah, I, <laughs> I can't think that far <laughs> back. Really I'm, I'm thinking, older than you are. I'm thinking DVDs, but... <laughs> We didn't have to rewind the DVDs, but I do remember the Be Kind Rewind. So you said you had another example. Can yeah, that's another uh, another SaaS company. They work in the oil and gas industry. When we started to work with them, there were 10, $12 million companies somewhere in that range. We said that they had 17,000 customers at the time. We said that they could initially go up with their prices 41% on the average. They, um, As they did, uh, the CEO said he got two angry emails and uh, one angry phone call, and they didn't lose a single customer. So the following year, we helped them to uh, double their prices. So first up 41%, then you double it. And now I think the company lost like about a dozen customers out of those 17,000. They are now about a $180 million company. Well, that's a hell of a jump. All right. Yeah. So this is this is very fascinating. And it, it's a little spooky, right? Because you realize how delicate, how delicate this is. So if people want to find you, if people want to know more about your process, how do they get a hold of you? You Google the price whisper. You'll you'll find me. I have a I have a new book out called Oddly enough, the price whisper. And you'll find my company, you find the process, you find I have a YouTube channel, a TikTok channel, and stuff like that. Who's like your most famous client? Can you say? No. <laughs> Who's the most famous company you've worked with that you can say? Oh, we, I mean, we worked with major, I mean, we, we worked with some of the major companies, but we also worked with small, even pre-revenue startups, you know? So um, it's a famous company. I mean, one of them, that, that TripAdvisor, for example, maybe. People That's a them. huge one. Yeah. Pricing by design. Yeah. Electrolux, if you know them, the second largest white goods manufacturer in the world. How did you how did you get into this? Like, how did you decide? I well, think people understand how to sell stuff. Like, like I said, we, we we did we did pricing experiments in these companies I ran, and some of those experiments. I mean, next quarter revenues were up twenty five percent, but we did it without knowing why. We just did testing, and sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't. But if you if if you if you take that holistic view. And you really understand that everything you do in a company affects how you can. Let me tell you another story. This company who decided they want to come up with a um, um, a new product. This was a consumer product, and it was unique. So, so they did a name of this product that was sort of a wordplay on unique together with a. It was awful. A brand name that was awful, right? And we could prove to this company that by using a better brand name. They will have 25% higher sales volume at 20% higher prices than they had planned. Did they do it? Yeah, they did. Oh, the other and, name kind of cool. Or was yeah, it I mean, and and just so they had they were sitting there in the conference room somewhere and saying, let's figure out something really smart when it comes to pricing. Consumers didn't want to have smart names, they want to have a descriptive name, right? What is it that I'm gonna buy? And that's something that we found 
over and over again is that once you have a company, you have to have a descriptive name of the company. You mentioned Netflix. That's sort of sort of descriptive. It isn't, right? Yeah, internet movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. So it, it definitely I think it's like his movie. We're still still holding out to see if it's gonna be a success. <laughs> even break it down to like restaurants sometimes i pick a restaurant by price i'm like i'm not going to a cheap restaurant food can't be good you know i look for a higher price restaurant to say okay gotta have good food and good service dude if i go to open table and i want a nice restaurant i before i go to reviews i go to price that's what i do same yeah. exact thing i, I look same at price exact thing. and i'll bet to, to pair's point we're better customers yeah than the than the cheap price customers like so it's like you know what do they have to do to, to attract that type and the, imagine the impact on their bottom line. A price determines how I dress to the restaurant, where we're going out. If it's a date night with my wife, if it's a family, you know, event, you know, so price a lot of times if I'm in a city that I don't know, that's the first thing I'm looking at. Do we have time for another story? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, since you talk about restaurants, this is um, about uh, six weeks ago. I, I was in, um, I was in the UK in London with a, you know, for a holiday with my, my wife and as we checked into the hotel the the receptionist said do you want to buy breakfast if you if you prepay it is only 15 pounds a day you know we were staying there for a week so when you make your purchase decision it always happened in context the con the only context we had here was the price of that breakfast nothing else so then we use our internal references and i was then thinking of Okay, in the cheap hotels I live in in the in um, in in um, uh, here in the U.S., breakfast is awful coffee and some kind of sweet uh, uh, thing in a in a plastic the bag. Continental, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we all know the continental breakfast at <laughs> the Holiday Inn. So exactly. So so we said no because we didn't have a value proposition. Now, after three days, we had exhausted all the um, local cafes, and we said. You know, for 15 or 17 pounds, how bad could it be? And we went down to the hotel breakfast. And it was the absolute best hotel breakfast I think I've ever had. Service was excellent. The food was excellent. The choice was, was excellent. What was the name of the hotel? What was the hotel? I can, I can tell you offline. <laughs> you can't uh, tell me what hotel you stayed at? I want to know what has a good breakfast in London. Yeah, well, but here's the point I'm saying. What I'm, what I'm getting at is that if you don't understand, if you don't deliver your value proposition, when you deliver your price, your buyer is not going to buy because the buyer doesn't have a reference. So how would you have delivered that value prop at the time? I would have I would have had a little flyer with with pictures of the very nice restaurant room uh, with the, the choices they had at breakfast. So you got a feel for what it actually was. And we would have said yes and been there every day. Well, there you go. That is pair the price whisperer in underthought and underthought science that you we just discussed has such a massive, massive impact on the business. Probably one of the most important things that is not paid attention to. Mm -hmm. And it's 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 like you said, I think this is what it is. You commit to a price, you go out there to have someone who understands the emotional economics of pricing the way you do, buy this man's book. The Price Whisper, and uh, I've got to tell you, I've been to England plenty of times, and I've not had one good meal there. There's, <laughs> there's, it's atrocious. So I do think you should say the name of the hotel. And if you tell no, me, I don't want to I'm going to put it in the show notes. I don't understand. <laughs> it, it's not like they're going to sue you for saying they had they had a good breakfast. 
but no. We <laughs> so the price no. whisper is a little bit bashful on uh, on promoting good valued hotels these days. At but you know what? We'll find out somehow. Um, you will. <laughs> <laughs> this has been. This has been very interesting. I appreciate appreciate you being a part of the Scaling Edge. Sharing, Thank you so much. Sharing your insight. And and look, Google the price whisperer. Talk to Pear. He's uh, obviously this level of, of sophistication can support businesses. And it's usually been reserved for, for, for businesses that have a lot of capital, a lot of resources, and that, that have hold tightly guarded secrets. And, and it's nice to know that you, as a small to mid-sized business owner and entrepreneur, can access that and, and connect direct with Pear. But the first thing you got to do is get his book. So Pear... Thank you for being a part of our program. We appreciate it. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me.